You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Hey, everybody. How you doing today? Hey, John Curley. Hey, iRacers. Welcome. And returning from a long time ago, Brad Wren. Hey, everybody. How are you? Welcome. On the show today, we'll check out what was on display at the 2023 ADAC Sim Racing Expo, including new offerings from Fanatec. We'll check out an open letter to iRacing from an influential sim racer regarding the new console game and debate iRacing having free spectator-only accounts. That's right. And uh, you can follow along with us in real time on your PC or mobile device as you listen to the show and see for yourself. All these great topics we'll talk about by going to iRacersLounge.com and selecting show notes. So let's see you there. Let's uh, catch up with you. Uh, thanks for coming on the show and uh, rejoining the team. So let's talk a little bit about team history. Um, you were on iRacing in the past uh, and you were part of this team, Team Tifosi. Um You contacted me at one point and said, Mike, I got a, a job, uh, uh, a career move I gotta make. I gotta move my family. I'm bowing out, I'll be back. And now, you're back, so welcome. Yeah, thanks. So yeah, we uh, was back on the team in I think 15 and 16, and uh, we moved, uh, relocated for work, moved from Maryland to Virginia, bought a house in the country, I wanted a little bit of land that came with no internet, so <laughs> everything uh, got sold, uh, and then we moved again, uh, relocating for work, and uh, we moved last year, and I reached out to you, I guess, about midsummer, and said, hey, I'm, I got the itch, I think I want to get back into it. All right. Well, I'm glad you looked us up. Obviously, you left on good terms. And and I guess my first question before we dig into what's going on with you, what's different on this team? I mean, you see a lot of new faces, right? But I, I'm just curious. I mean, is it a, di a different chemistry? What do you see that's different from back in 2016? Um, I don't know if it's it's a whole lot different. There's, there's a lot of new guys, but it's the same. Uh, you know, atmosphere and the uh, chemistry of helping each other out. Um, that's the one thing that I always enjoyed. Um, you know, it's nice to be able to bounce ideas off everybody um, and everybody's willing to help. All right. Yeah. It, it's uh, interesting to hear that. Now, your equipment, you said you sold it all off. So you've been rebuilding. So let's detail that out a little bit. What have you uh, spent money on and what'd you get? Uh, Rig-wise, went with a uh, Track Racer TR-160. Um, ended up buying a separate seat, an NRG uh, seat. Went with the uh, Husenfeld Sprints, um, a Sim Magic Alpha Base. Uh, went with the Fanatec uh, Club Sport Shifter. 
three 27-inch monitors, and I still had a, uh, an old 20-inch that I was dragging around, so that's the fourth monitor. Uh, I built a new computer, uh, Intel i7, uh, let's see, what have I got, an NVIDIA 4070. Um, so, yeah, just uh, very expensive when you decide to go all in it one time. Well, the, the, the thing is, though, Brad, you know that you're going to end up at this point anyway. So instead of buying, you know, interim equipment, as mm -hmm. they call it, uh, you just let's get let's buy once and be done. Right. Yeah, that's what I told the wife, and that was probably a little sticker shock for her. But, I mean, you know, I got into racing back in 97 with NASCAR 2, and, you know, over the course of, you know, what, almost 20 years, it was bits and pieces and stuff like that. And, it, you know, when you add it all up, I probably spent more through the years. But uh, when you're coming back and you, you know what you had and you know what you want, and a lot of stuff has changed dramatically, even in just seven years. Um, but, yeah, a little bit of sticker shock, but... That's okay. I only plan to buy it once. All right, very good. And you've actually had some challenges with the Sim Magic Alpha. Uh, so let, detail that out. And you're actually not on track right now because of it. Yeah, I had to send it back. Um, was having disconnect issues. Um, so, you know, I went and went as far as to switch to a powered USB that didn't take care of it. Ended up reformatting the computer completely just to make sure there was no issues there. Um, I think it's the I think it's a motherboard issue. So they're going to replace the I guess the PCB. Um, they're supposedly working on it today. So I'm hoping within a week or so I'll have it back, and uh, hopefully all things will be resolved. All right, very good. And then what kind of rims do you have to go with it? I've uh, got a GT4, uh, the Sim Magic for road racing. Then I had, the, I think it's a 320-inch GT wheel. Um, I'm okay with that. I'm probably going to end up moving towards a, uh, a 380, either MPI uh, uh, wheel uh, eventually, once I'll get a button box and all that. Uh, I just want something a little bit larger, primarily NASCAR, so I would rather you know have a, a full full-size wheel. All right, very good. And let's talk about the future. I mean, we're we're going into off season. Uh, we got everyone signed signed up for the league, uh, the winter league. So we're going to run that as a as a team. A lot of us. Um, but then after that, I mean, what are your goals for twenty twenty four as far as racing goes? What do you want to try to get into? Uh, I plan to run full NIS. Uh, I really enjoyed that before I left. Um, and thinking about trying to do uh, some uh, Xfinity, you know, or Class B. Probably mixing some trucks. Uh, occasional road racing. Uh, I do enjoy road road racing, but uh, at the end of the day, I've I've been a NASCAR guy since a kid, so that's where that's really where the passion and my uh, my heart's at. Well, you got to know the bit, next big road race is going to be the Daytona 24. So you you want to sit in on one of the cars for that? Yeah, absolutely. That was fun. We've, uh, I think we did that. I don't know if we did spa or something back in the, back in the day. I know we did one at one point. It may have been the uh, 24 hours. I think that was back when they just released uh, what the Corvette DP. If I remember right, we had good results too. Um, yeah, yeah, it, that was fun. So it's always good to. Those are fun to do with a good group of guys. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a long day, but it, it's fun. All right. Well, Brad, thanks for joining back with the team. You know, we're looking for quality drivers all the time and good people. Uh, let's wrap up the conversation with our signature question. 
what has been your most memorable iRacing moment? Uh, you know, in the seven years I was gone, I, I couldn't help but continue to think back about the last race I won. That was in the NIS at uh, Kansas. So that would have been back in probably 16. So, um, you know, that's still that still hanging on to that victory back from, you know, what, seven, seven years ago. Um, that's what makes you want to come back every time. All right. So my commitment to you is we're going to get you a win next year in NIS somehow, some way. <laughs> well, that'll work. That's what I'm looking forward to. So again, thanks. Thanks for uh, letting me come back. Uh, you were a big help when I started to think about, you know, what to buy and stuff like that. You bounced, uh, you let me bounce questions off of you and I appreciate it. <sighs> Yeah, you ended up with a good list. You didn't buy exactly what I said. You know, you got your own thoughts and stuff. But at the end of the day, I mean, you, every product you picked is like good. So, you, yeah, good choices. And uh, I hope that wheel gets back soon. Yep, me too. My wife knows uh, how miserable I've been. <laughs> Jumping right into topics, Brian, we have winter is coming. Yeah, that's right. Uh, so this story comes from the forums. It was uh, Dante uh, Pontecorvo, and he asked if there is a release date coming up for the NASCAR winter schedule. You know, winter is right around the corner. There's only a few more races left in the NIS. And he's asking uh, what's coming up and would like a schedule so he can get started have a couple of uh, suggestions he, he's, he wants to see Indianapolis I'm, I'm assuming the road <laughs> and uh, and Michigan in the schedule um, Michigan a really good track too and uh, hope hoping that they do Indianapolis road because that's coming up next year I believe now back in the day when Brad was running we didn't have a winter NIS um, it was this off season uh, so Brad what it is I, we run the 87 cars and they basically mirror the, the NIS time slots uh, that we normally run uh, and just run between now and Daytona 500, really. Excellent. Excellent. So it's a good way to, you know, stay sharp, stay in the car, uh, that kind of thing. So um, I don't think it's been announced yet what the, what the tracks will be, but uh, yeah, people are thinking about it. Yeah. Looking at the past on these, uh, what, what, does this consist of do they have just between the end of the current season daytona 500 just every week between those two yeah basically does it end up being open and fixed or is it just fixed uh it, i think it had both if i remember right it's like uh, nis is now now i think our winter league has uh, decided to run on wednesday nights so we're going to be doing a league race on wednesdays so maybe i'll run this winter NIS maybe on Fridays. Yep, I'll be there too. We have a story coming up a little bit later about the uh, patch today that involved the legend, the uh, legends cars. So um, we'll talk a little bit more about the legends coming up soon. Hey right, John, we have iRacing support solutions. Yeah, so iRacing has put up a support page that has uh, all kinds of categories for help. You know, if you've got a question about how to run the software, the UI, uh, it's there. I mean, I, I visited that page, looked through it a little bit, 
and it looks to me like they've covered just about every topic you could ever want to know about how to get things done on the, on the UI. Uh, I think it's a great addition. I don't think it's new, though, John. It's been around. You know, we've talked about this on the show in the past, but when I stumble upon it, I like to bring it up for people to remember, look, if you have questions, this is like frequently asked questions, and there's a bunch of them, like you said. Yeah, I mean, it has things on here that would cover somebody who's even thinking about getting into the service, what you do once you get into it, all the release notes, uh, fantastic resource for, for people who have questions. Yeah, I know that uh, even coming back after being gone for seven years, I think I went through this a little bit just trying to see if there's anything new that I had forgotten or missed. The website is support.iracing.com slash support slash solutions. One that I, I stumbled on was the meter box, and I'm going to go ahead and click on that and give you guys a flavor. This is the colored box up in the corner that shows you uh, all the different things about your system and what's going on, uh, specifically your frame rate. But you can configure this in SIM what's being shown there, graphics, network system, audio, steering, uh, so forth. And then they give um, uh, a grid here that shows, well, if it's R, what does that mean? Well, that means it's the time it takes for the renderer to process a frame. If you see the G, it's it, this is the time it takes for the graphics card to draw a frame. L is latency, and so on. And it tells you each little thing about what the the little letter means. So when you see those those red or yellow up there, you know if you should be worried or not. So you kind of need to memorize these things. Yeah, I think it's a good tool to have up. Um, I know there's more options now than there was when I was doing this before, but it at least allows you to know how your system's performing. Um, so it's I have multiple, you know, probably four or five of them up in the corner of my window. Okay, Brad, I'll throw you right in the fire. How about Bobby Foley interview? Yeah, I saw that. Uh, I, I didn't get a chance to be honest. I didn't get a chance to see it. Um, but you know, our racing has has taken a tremendous uh, opportunity with the partnership that they've had with IMSA. So. Um, like I said, unfortunately, I didn't get to see it, but uh, you know, it is good to see them continuing to um, expand uh, that relationship. I've never heard of Bobby Foley until this video, but I did watch it, and he's been an iRacer since 2010, and um, he talks a lot about how he uses it because he's a real race car driver in a GT car and in IMSA a GT3. And so he uses iRacing as part of his job. I mean, he literally practices and he runs with the team to stay sharp and there's all these different reasons, uh, but he's just very active in iRacing. Yeah, I just think you're continuing to see that the uh that gap getting closer between sim and and reality um you know lots of teams are using sim even more um and i think i've you know there's been lots of discussion with even some of the e-coke series guys uh actually working for some of the nascar teams doing simulator work now yeah and that, All right. that's that's right and and i race you know these guys have an off season just like any sport does um and it's not like they can uh, they can go into a uh, facility and and practice racing like uh like you can go indoors and and practice a, a sport that's uh, in the winter um but iRacing gives people opportunities if 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 it, at the very minimum just to keep sharp on their skills so uh so it's, it's really cool that that um 
he's using iRacing in that way. I'm sure there's a lot of others who do it as well. He brings up a very specific uh, thing where he's saving fuel. Um, like he said in the real race, that one of the strategies his team employs often is to save fuel like crazy, like crazy, like every lap. And they employ that when they run the endurance races in iRacing and train basically how how much fuel can we save and still have a you know a decent lap time kind of thing and so he's saying you know they're practicing this strategy in the sim in real life and it's feeding back and forth and helping both performance in both sim and real life you know i think that's a, a testament to what i racing is doing when you've got these pro drivers who use the sim uh, to get data and to understand, you know, usage on tires and fuel, you know, that means iRacing is getting this right. These guys can rely on that information to take it to the real track. And I think that's a, a great thing for uh, iRacing to have accomplished. Well, and I think it makes uh, us old guys buy into it because we it is realistic. You know, it is the same thing. You know, you're, you're really driving the same kind of platform. Okay, moving on to the big story of the week, and that's the Sim Racing Expo. Now, I didn't get to go to Germany, but I sure watched a lot of social media to get an idea of what they had going. So the first one we're going to look at is Get Closer Racing. I haven't really heard of these guys, but they had some pretty neat-looking rigs, and their signature is... It's a aluminum extrusion 80-20 style, but the connectors that connect uh, uprights to horizontals are quite unique. They're not the normal corner bracket. They're like a, um, a machined metal uh, colored bracket, I guess you'd call it. I don't know, Brian, how would you describe that? Yeah, um, it's it's almost like plates instead of like the normal brackets that you see, but um, the, the colors and yeah, the colors and the designs are are really really attractive looking. It's not your standard, you know, all silver or all black even. You know, it's it's it gets really um, it gets really expressive, and they they have some good colors and combinations. Yeah, nice setups. We're gonna have to look more at that company. Uh, other items I'm gonna uh, I saw. Uh, through this video the next one was um venom pedals were, were there they're they're the pedal company from france i believe and what's different this year is they offer country flags on the pedal faces so you can get the red white and blue stars and stripes uh on the pedals which i think would be a really good look for my rig to be honest because i really have the red white and blue thing going with my steering wheel and so I was like, ooh, those look cool. Maybe I can just get the pedal faces or something. But uh, I didn't see any U.S. ones. Of course, they had you know all the European countries and stuff, but they still look cool, I'm, uh, the, the flags. Coffee Racer, they had a big uh, to-do there. Remember, they are a coffee table that folds up a rig inside of. Uh, lots of people seem to like it. PXN was a... Uh, a wheelbase manufacturer we've talked about briefly on the show in the past, but they don't have a lot of exposure, but they were there. They had a base and a wheel in a, in a display, nothing that people could touch, but uh, yeah, they were there. And then John, I saw those uh, pneumatic pedals from SRP Sim Racing Pro that you were looking at. 
Yeah, I did. You know, I and as far as I know, this the pneumatic pedals are not something that's been around for a while. And, and you know, I don't I've not watched any reviews on those, but they got my attention uh, just because I'm you know, I just bought some pedals. I actually got them today. But I think that's a technology to look at for the future as well. Yeah, other stuff was Acelith was a company I hadn't heard of. They had prototype wheels. Uh, Grid Racing had a really cool thing. They were using balloons in the seats with air hoses, like pneumatic air hoses, like hooked to an air compressor kind of thing. Like there were two hoses going into the back of the seat. It was kind of like a G seat. Okay, it's supposed to, rep, you know, replicate uh, G forces, kind of like a Brian's seat does. But instead of like on Brian's seat, the the hydraulic flap is pushing against you. In this scenario, they have like airbags in the it, within the cushions, like buried in the cushion, and then they inflate and deflate depending on the the G uh, G force thing. Interesting, interesting way to achieve that. I, I would just be curious how fast it would have to be able to um, inflate and deflate pretty quick in order to, you know, to keep up with the responses. That's what I was thinking is how do you get it to deflate so fast? I mean, does the air suck back out of it with the hose? I mean, do they have some kind of device that's not just pumping air, but sucking as well? Anyway, it was a prototype. I don't think it's for sale. Uh, Ace Attack. Uh, boy, they had the biggest booth. Like, I think Fanatec and Acetec were probably the anchor boosts, like the big ones. But uh, Acetec, man, they have so much stuff. They have so much product. And with the new wheel announcement thing, where you have the, the button box in the middle that you can put, like, any rim on, and they have all these different rims, like, they had them all hung on the wall. And, like, there was 30 or 40 of them. It's crazy. And uh, they're all lit up, and they were all syn synchronized with the same lights mm -hmm. and stuff, and it looked really nice. But uh, Acetec was uh, the biggest booth. Yeah, they uh, they were showing off all those different brands of wheels, just you know, hyping up the fact that you can use any kind of wheel you want on this. And uh, I forgot how many brands there were, but man, you can put just about any wheel you want on those Ace Tech bases. Yeah, and then they uh, point to the other little wall and they show all the third-party company wheels, like Cube Controls and and Grid Engineering and. Gomez and those can be mounted directly to Ace Attack uh, wirelessly uh, with this, their new tech. And so, um, yeah, Ace Attack is is pretty cool. I, I like them. The other one I really liked was Sabelt. Sabelt rigs. Uh, now Sabelt makes um, harnesses and seat belts for racers for race cars, like Formula One seat belts, I think, and. And they make uh, like seats for hypercars and uh, Ferraris and Lotuses and stuff like that. So they're a seat manufacturer. They're a, a seat belt manufacturer. But now they've they've manufactured a rig, and and the way they've done it is it's it's aluminum extrusion, but they've made it flat on the outsides where they can stylize it, color it, that kind of thing. They got an angle to the uprights and he and the guy in the interview who, who works for the company said, well, the, the angle of the uprights actually is designed to match the angle of Sabelt in our logo where the S is slightly slanted. And so it's supposed to look like their, you know, their brand or so to speak, but it actually looks really nice. 
Yeah, I went to their website after seeing that interview with that guy, and they're uh, yeah, they're sim rigs. They look different, but they look really cool. You know, kind of a low profile to them. Uh, I'm, you know, and that's my next purchase, a sim rig. They're they're on my short list. Ooh, I, if I remember right, it's expensive. I don't remember how much, but they were really high. Yeah, they are very high. Uh, it's one of those things you would buy and hope to keep it for life. Well, it is a company from Italy, um, and and so Cube Controls is also from Italy. But yeah, I mean, every company in Italy, it seems like I've done business with, is kind of high end, at least in this industry. Uh, finally, um, P1 Sim had some pedals that looked nice, but what was unique is they had a little heel bucket, like. I don't know. You go into a shoe store and you put your heel in this thing that measures. It's like one of those things. And they have just like a little round thing you put your heel against as you're, you know, using the pedal. I thought that was cool. And then finally, Conspit, that new company from Shanghai, they had some interesting rigs. And of course, those hydraulic pedals with purple on them, and they have the shakers on each one. Um, the rigs were interesting. They had like a Formula One cockpit you know, like a whole monocoque kind of uh, enclosure that you sit in. But then they had a, a wrap around screen that was like projector. Yeah, I saw that uh, that big round projector screen. That thing was huge. I want that in my basement. That that was pretty awesome. It looked really sharp. How the, and, you know, if you get down, one of the videos showed he got down to where the driver's eye would be. And it's just fully encompassing, like all peripheral uh, vision is covered. You know, one of the things I noticed, you look at this list of, uh, of manufacturers and notice that some of the big ones weren't there. Um, Husenfeld, Moza, um, Sim Magic. So kind of interesting that some of the, what I would expect to be heavy hitters in the, in the market uh, didn't have any, any presence at all. Yeah, Cube Controls and Gomez were also not at the expo. Uh, another video. Go ahead. I was going to say the next video you've got uh, was was Lawrence the uh, so you know, kind of doing a tour, and I watched that, and uh, it just would be nice if they did something like that in the U.S. Um, just to be able to kind of go into a playground like that would be fun for us. It sure would. I'm even thinking about going to Germany one year for for this if they don't do it. Uh, the other video I watched, um, they covered the Fanatec booth specifically. Um, the podium button uh, module that you put in the middle of a wheel for rally was really nice. Uh, they had the Bentley GT3 wheel was was uh, nice. And then hands-on with that new quick release, the QR2. Um, and then, of course, the new uh, Fanatec Club Sport was announced the same week. Uh, they have the DD12 uh, uh, Club Sport DD12 Newton meter and then 15 Newton meter. Two choices now. Does this make the podiums DD1 and DD2 obsolete? Uh, it might have, but uh, other people were saying that the this you know Fanatec's probably going to refresh the the podium DD series shortly. You know, I think a lot of that's going to have to do with the price point. You know, uh, I think the, the DD12, this new one, it's gotten good reviews. And I think you got a good point, Mike. I mean, uh, if if you have to spend a couple hundred bucks more for the 12, that's probably...
probably worth it. Save your save your pennies and get it. Uh, a couple others uh, we haven't talked about. Bavarian Simtech was there with their Omega Pro. Really neat, neat wheel, uh, formula wheel. We need to probably look that one up. Um, and then the Varho Aero uh, VR headset was there, and people got to try that. Now, just flying into this next part, uh, Brian, we got a video from Fanatec that shows off that new uh, Club Sport DD, and they literally show it off, like the inside of it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, it's it's like an exploded view almost, but it's a uh, you know of the of the of the DD drives and and the motors and everything just an exploded view. It's it's pretty interesting because you know you never get to see the inside of these things. You're never going to crack yours open unless you have a serious problem. Um, but it's neat to take a look at the engineering and all the different components that make up these bases. I was thinking, I mean, aren't they worried about the other wheel manufacturers like getting a close look at what they're doing? Or I guess there's no secret, huh? Well, I, I got to believe that every manufacturer's tearing apart every other manufacturer's products to see what they've got. So, probably no secrets. Uh, I think, you know, the competition probably already knew, but it's just people like us, you know, like Brian said, we don't ever see the inside of these. So, it's pretty cool to us to see all the engineering that goes into it. Yeah. So, for our audio listeners, they have like a table uh, and like acrylic stands that are holding the pieces up. So, they're all in a line and the whole DD is in pieces and they have them all set up in a row. And so you can see how everything kind of fits together. If you were just to squish it together, it would all come together. So yeah, you can kind of see how the pieces fit together, uh, where they are uh, within the base and so forth. Uh, overall impressions of the expo, they had a different location. Apparently it was much easier to access uh, for people going. Uh, Dave Cam, a friend of the show, he did a video where he went uh, to the expo with his wife and they actually drove through the channel underneath the, the ocean over to France and then drove to Germany and stayed at a nice hotel and everything. And it turned out to be good. And the crowd sizes I saw were much bigger than they were last year. Not much, but I would say 20% bigger, maybe 30%. I mean, there were a lot more people than what I remember. Well, I guess I'll have to try to see if I can convince the wife to, to do that for maybe our 30th wedding anniversary. Oh. I'll take you to Europe. <laughs> I was going to say, I've got 39 coming up. You know, if, if I tell my wife we're going to Europe, sure, we're there. <laughs> so a question here, too. I mean, we're all, we're all begging for a U.S. version, but when I start looking down this list of manufacturers, there are no U.S. manufacturers. Really, these are all European manufacturers or, or Asian, Chinese or, you know, or European, basically. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just the, I mean, I hate to say it, that's just the way the market is now. I mean, you've got U.S. distributors, but almost everything is being made either in Europe uh, or in Asia. And then I don't know, I really don't know what you, what you do about that. Well, and, and does that mean... You know, they're not keen on leaving Europe for the U.S., you know, because all of them are based there. So, but is there enough market share in the U.S. that they should have a show here? You know, I, I wonder, how, you know, how much 
product are they selling that's U.S. Canada versus Europe? I mean, are we are we buying as much as Europe? I would think so. Well, you would think, you know, and and maybe it's going to take a, an effort for the North American distributors to convince these manufacturers that, hey, let's do a concerted effort here and let's get a U.S. show going. Yeah, I would think that there's enough uh, support for that. All right, let's back to topics. Brian, how about a patch we got today? Yeah, this is... um. This has something to do with uh, the Legends uh, Winter Series that we were talking about. It kind of ties in. Um, this is a post in the forums from Greg West. Uh, he's reaching out and saying that uh, he heard a lot of feedback that the uh, setups for the 87s were, were not good. And uh, part of part of uh, this update in this uh, patch today addressed some of the issues. So um, he said it's not a it's not a major swing at correcting the issues, um, but uh, but it's a hopefully it's a step in the right direction for the for the feedback that he's been getting from the from the uh, from the fans. Um, this uh, he kind of kind of reminds everybody this is an '87 uh, Legends car. It doesn't have the best brakes in the world, the downforce that maybe you're used to. So he, you know, I, I think he kind of implied a little bit that maybe you're a little too used to the modern cars that that are a little easier to drive, but um, but apparently they they thought enough of it to to make some updates on the setup patch in this uh, this patch coming up. Now, one correction, Brian. He actually said it is a major swing at correcting the issues found in setup. So they are doing some major adjustments here to try to take the the car in another way with the setups. You're right. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yes, it is a major swing. You're right. Yeah, and did I read that correctly? They're they're going to move toward looser setups in the future. Yeah, yeah. He he mentioned that uh, overall they're trying to get to a looser setups for these fixed setups, which is great because tight's horrible. Yeah, but tight is safe. True. True. Will it drive more cautions if they're looser? You know. Oh, I'm I'm sure. Um, but I mean, I can tell you if anybody's ever gone and done any of the you know the driving experiences, um, those cars are set up to be super tight because they don't want people to wreck them. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, tight also means you're probably wearing out the right front more than uh, than uh, a looser car too, though. So maybe maybe that's part of the problem is people's car right right fronts are wearing out. Now, Brad, have you you? These 87 cars came when you were gone, so you, you haven't tried them, right? I've turned a few laps during the, uh, I guess, the patch before last when they had the um, test session up, test up. I was able to turn a few laps, so uh, yeah, completely different. Uh, I think I turned a few laps at Charlotte and, and one of them completely different, but looking, looking forward to it. Reminds me of the old um, the mod they had for 2003 with the... Uh, what was it the Arrow Wars? I think. I'm in the eighty sevens. I I always the in the steering. I feel rack and pinion. Now you old guys know rack and pinion, but but I remember when I was a kid and driving my grandpa's old truck, and you'd almost have to steer that thing a half turn before it would catch, so to speak. Uh, you know, and, and the eighty sevens kind of have that feel. Oh, that's that's the way they were. I mean, if you watch any of the old videos, um, you know, from that era of in-car cameras, and you see, you know, probably 16-inch wheels, and you can see those guys really sawing on them. Yeah, they had to fight those things. You're right. I mean, 
that wheel's going left and right, left, right, left, right. And, uh, you know, it gives you a whole new appreciation of what those guys were dealing with compared to the drivers today. I mean, they had a handful. All right, let's jump into the actual patch notes next. Um, they changed the wallet and how and the buying of tracks and made it nicer. They have a whole new design. And so the shopping cart, you know, has been redesigned. So check it out. I'm not going to get into the details of that. Um, but what was interesting is uh, they must have been listening to our show because uh, just a couple weeks ago, John, we were talking about how hard it is to spectate a friend's session. And then all of a sudden, guess what? We have a spectate sessions page. Yeah, we were. I think it was just maybe a couple of shows ago. You know, I was trying to get in and watch some of my teammates finish their races because mine was already done. And it took at least five, six, seven, eight minutes to find which race you guys were in. And it was really frustrating to find that feature. Uh, and of all the updates on this patch, that was the one I was most excited about. Now I can find people easier. So that's pretty cool. Yeah, I haven't tried it yet, but if uh, when you're in the beta UI and you go to hit Go Racing, it'll be one of those selectors. And so uh, this this is another thing that they needed to add to the UI for me to fully give up that website because before this, I was if I had to ghost somebody, I was jumping to the website usually. Yeah, I tried to ghost somebody last night before this update. Uh, one of the, I think Mike, I think it was your race. I wanted to get in and watch the finish. Couldn't find it. Uh, didn't even give me the option to watch, so I just had to give up on it. So glad to see this. Uh, other little fixes and stuff um, with the UI. I'm not going to get into those. Um, fixed an issue with AI rosters with 11 or more car types did not correctly grid. So I had a. I, I'll, I'll, I'll digress a second. On Tuesday night when I practiced for Homestead in an AI race. I load my set, I start the AI race, and what I do is instead of doing a rolling starting lap, I do standing start. So I don't waste that time rolling around just to go green. You know, I don't waste a minute. So I do a standing start, no big deal. We get up speed quick and we go race. Well, at Homestead, if you do a standing start, it actually grids us up on pit road and it goes red, 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 green. And then all the cars, all the AI cars turned hard right, right into the pit wall and wrecked themselves, all of them. Yeah, I saw your uh, <clears throat> saw your video on that. And that's, that's they got to fix that. It just makes no sense. I, I'm glad uh, you just said that. I couldn't figure out what was going on in that. Now it makes sense because that was just a mass crash. Uh, everybody was wiped out. Well, from a standing stop, they were they wiped themselves out like within one second. It was the craziest thing, yeah. So did you win? <laughs> I I went out and ran a few laps, you know, made sure, you know, it's spot spot check, you know, everything's good. I usually don't finish. Um yeah, I don't think there's anything else we really need to jump into. At the bottom under tracks, they actually have the PA announcements have been added to the track, but in the correct languages uh, uh, for the um, Autodromo Jose Carlos, you know, they're putting in Portuguese. But if you're at Monza, they put in Italian, uh, Catalonia, Spanish, of course. Uh, 
Yeah, I think that's pretty neat from an immersion standpoint. I noticed on Charlotte, uh, they fixed a collision shape that was uh, apparently causing these ghost contacts. I, I, I've never seen that happen. Has anybody experienced that? Well, I think they could be talking about a net code kind of thing. Like you, you get so close to something, it, you, it acts like you hit it, but visually you didn't. That's what it means. Yeah, with the tire stack, there's a you've got the I guess the um, the graphic representation of a tire stack, but then in the sim, there's a um, that actual size of it, which was probably larger than what the actual tire stack was. So, say you drive by it, and it's if it's two feet larger than what it is, you know you're making contact even though you're not visually hitting it. Yeah, I'm trying to think what tire stacks are they talking about? Probably on a road course when you're swinging real close to one, you know, making a corner. All right, Brian, how about this one? Last week, I tried to ask uh, the guys, what do we need in a, in a NASCAR console game? And none of us could really verbalize it. I mean, I think we know, but we couldn't say it out loud. But I, Chris Overland put on Twitter, I think, exactly what we were thinking. Yeah, so uh, Chris Overland uh, tweeted, or uh, yeah, he tweeted out uh, some of the things that he's looking for in this new console version. Um, so, uh, so one is like uh, number one, full customization. The importance of customizing your driver team and livery. Um, so the you know, so that's what he's looking for. Um, I think that's an important one to get uh, the whole liveries would be really. Really nice because we're assuming that for the most part you're going to be using um, existing NASCAR cars and you want access to all the paint schemes and everything like that. Um, number two is in the in depth career mode with co op uh, options. Uh, so uh, he said upgrading your car was the best part of the Thunder series, and sometimes that the Papyrus, the Papyrus games uh, missed on. They didn't have the upgrade ability, you know, the progressions of your cars and stuff like that. So uh, again, this is this is for a console. It's more arcade style than than uh, pure sim. So stuff like that would be really neat to have. Um, having uh, number three is online championships. So uh, a league racing is. Uh, extends the life of games in years just by having these uh, leagues and championship series. Um, uh, he, he wants to see a, a silly season, so let drivers move around from year to year. Uh, make uh, Parity makes every year feel like a new challenge, and that's a good idea. Hey. If you're doing... I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, can I put Denny Hamlin in a Ford next year? Is that what that means? <laughs> yeah, exactly. But right now, if 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 they're doing mul a multiple season type of, of game, just like you would in like a football game or anything else, um, have people move around, make it make it fun and interesting, and uh, and see what can happen. Um, and he's also looking for a driver progression and regressions. So uh, yeah, so uh, you know, it, it's it's. You want you want to um, you don't want to have like a like an I rating system I don't think but a, a progression uh, system might might work a lot better um, moving up through possible series and stuff like that really cool yeah uh, I'll I'll pick up number five integrate trading paints boy that's that's very bold I wonder if legally they'll be able to do that. Yeah, maybe not, but um, I, that doesn't mean they can't have some kind of uh, custom paint option. 
maybe custom for the user that they only this user sees in in his living room, right? Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yes. It's just a fairly basic uh, console style paint system would be fun. Yeah. Number six was rivalries and allies. Allies. Uh, seven different eras. We want Gen Four in iRacing. I kind of have a feeling that will probably won't happen. It'll probably be just the current current cars and tracks and stuff. I would guess that too. But it would be cool to have like a Legends series. But maybe that's a separate game, you know, for NASCAR. A, a completely separate NASCAR Legends. So uh, the last items eight was a simplified version of Sandbox. Uh, people will play this game forever if there's a track building option, as impossible as that would be. And number nine, don't waste half the budget on a soundtrack. All in all, I'm so thankful the NASCAR console license got in the right hands after nearly 15 years of absolute garbage. You all will do just fine. Well, I think it's definitely in the right hands. Yeah, I, I agree. It is in the right hands. The question is, you know, for the for the console person who's not familiar with uh, iRacing at all, they they may have been soured over years and years of bad product, and hopefully the iRacing can overcome that. You know, people will give it a chance. You know, maybe maybe there's a way they can get the word out. You know that this is all new. It's a we're, we're we have a long experience making these games, and it's going to be a lot better. Yeah, and I have a hard time remembering back all the details of the games. You know, like, was there a career mode or championship? I don't even remember, to be honest. So uh, I'm glad somebody does. <laughs> well, I think for a lot of us, once we got into iRacing, there was no point, you know, or PC racing, there was no point to getting on a console again. Exactly. Okay, Brad, what's the worst value on the road? Yeah, so I watched this, and um, he went through a few tracks. Uh, I guess the most value was they rode America uh, and worked his way down to Zolder, I think, with only being done in one series, uh, which is kind of shocking because I really like Zolder from a road course standpoint. It's probably, I, I think it's a great track. Um, but, I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's always going to be a mix of what gets used. I mean, if you think about how many tracks there are, you can't you can't use a track every single season. Yeah, so the worst value was Zolder and Winton. Like, they only run, like, once in one particular series, like, once or something. So, yeah. But uh, it, I find it fascinating that this guy can look at a stat, look at stats or some kind of statistics and, like, somehow make a video out of it. It's, it's a pretty unique skill. Yeah, yeah DJ no, EJ makes good stuff. He does. Yeah, it's it's stuff that you you really don't think about, and he does it, you know, usually within one or two minutes. So it's not like it's it's a very in depth thing. Um, every time I watch something, I come away come away from it going, huh? I didn't think about that. Yeah, for anybody who's not watching DJ EJ videos, uh, you need to man. He's got some good ones on YouTube, and uh, always it, it is fascinating things he comes up with. Uh, everything he does, I mean, I find usefulness in every one of his videos. Or knowledge, at least. You've learned something. Might not be something you need to know, like Zolder's like the worst value in road course racing, but but now you know. That's right. Yeah, and just for clarification, he's not saying that they're bad tracks. They're just not being used to their potential. 
they're not hitting official scheduling is what you're meaning. Like when we, Correct. when the team, when we go into the communities every season and make those schedules, nobody's using it. That's, that's what he's saying. All right, John, how about something funny An unscheduled pit stop? Yeah, so Matt Malone did a short video on YouTube about uh, a race, a road course race he was doing, and right at the pit entrance, he got hit on the left side and just knocked right into the pits. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, his videos are always funny. Uh, yeah, he just, just got knocked right into the pits as if though it was a scheduled stop. Well, he was trying so hard, too, and he, oh, I got to run, I got to run, I got to take this, I got to take it, oh, I'm going to go to the inside, oh, and then the guy's pitting and just pushes him in there, and oh. Yeah, he made it three wide, and <laughs> that was the wrong time to do it, but it sure looked good. Well, it, it didn't occur to him that the reason he's catching up to this guy is he's about to pit. He's slowing down the pit. Uh, maybe I shouldn't pass him on the inside as he's going to pit road. Yeah, that, that's a valuable lesson there. All right, Brad, we have spectator accounts. Yeah, so this was a, a post on the forum, you know, asking why can't we just have a spectator-only account? Um, you know, this is from Neil Gardner saying, and I'm sure this has been asked before, but let him know why it's not possible, you know, to have a free account that's able to join or watch sessions. Um, you know, you wouldn't be able to drive. It doesn't need to own the the, uh, the content. I think that's probably where the uh, the problem's going to come into. Um, you know, for the most part, you've got to not necessarily own everything, but... Um, I don't know. I just don't know how. I really don't know how iRacing could could do this, and I, I don't know if I I really see the benefit, you know, from them to to, to do it. Well, make revenue. Uh, he says, in in my case, this would allow my dad to spectate my races. He has no interest in racing. Uh, as but you know, if we had a multi-view stream option where he could stream a TV view of the race I am in, he would probably do it. So. It's a neat idea, and if you read down in the comments on the forum posts, a lot of the streamers are like, ooh, 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 I would do that, you know, because then they would have, like, oh, they can do a picture-in-picture, and they can show their, their camera, their car outside, you know, while they're not driving kind of thing, uh, and that kind of stuff. So there's a lot of different possibilities. But to your point, Brad, I mean – not don't make a spectator like make it where a spectator account you buy that individually it's three bucks a month maybe three bucks a month and you don't have to buy the content you pay three bucks a month you can spectate anything you can't yeah, drive anything I, I i can see that um i mean i know you can a lot of guys stream and whether it's it's twitch or whatever but i'm guessing i don't stream anything so i guess you can't I guess you can what only stream whatever you're seeing on the screen, so that's strictly an in-car view. Now, Craig Ham has a different take on this. He said uh, it would cost iRacing money for the downloads of the programs to all these people and updates, extra server stress, uh, you know, more bandwidth, so to speak, and servers are needed because you'd have additional people. But that's why it can't be free. I think. It would be fair to pay to pay for it. I, I'm just saying. I think three bucks a month would be fair to me, uh, you know, uh, for something like that. Yeah, I'm just not. Uh, I'm not sure how much you're gonna, how much willingness people are gonna, you know, to pay three or four dollars a month to do something like that. I mean, we struggle sometimes with it when it comes to the servers and connections as it is. Yeah, I mean, I suppose iRacing's got to decide, you know, if that kind of service 
would lead to more subscribers to become racers. I mean, if, if there's a market that they could tap into and convert those people to paying subscribers to get on there and race, eh, maybe, you know, it's a possibility. And maybe a spectator account can be a ghost account, like where you can ghost drive somebody's race. But, you know, hey, if you want to race, like, in the race, you have to sign up for a full membership. Like, like, like you said, maybe it's a trial membership. Like they put it out like a trial membership. Try iRacing for $15, you know, for three months. And it's a ghost membership. Like you don't actually enter events. You can spectate events and ghost them. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I don't. Go ahead, John. I was going to say, it's it's like streaming services, you know. Uh, I won't name names, but all the streaming services, you know, they they give you 30 days free, hoping that you'll become a subscriber. Maybe they can use the same business model here, you know, give you free uh, access to watch these things for 30 days. Maybe those people will convert to uh, full subscribers and get on a race. Right. I mean, you you look at, I see this all the time in the Facebook groups. You have console sim racers that are on console only, and they're, they're looking to get into iRacing and, or to get into PC racing. Wouldn't it be something if they had a, a stepping ladder to get there without making a full commitment? Oh, let's go try a ghost iRacing. We'll do a ghost run on iRacing and just see if we like it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, I could, I could see that. Um... I don't know. I mean, I guess the only thing for me is if you're going to PC race, it's for the most part equipment wise or hardware wise, it's, it's a whole different ball of wax than just a console. Um, that, that's my whole thing. It's a cost. Yeah, there's cost. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I understand some of his, he does make some good points, but if he's just looking for somebody, somebody, a family member to watch, you know, he can stream his races and they can watch it through, you know, Twitch or, or Twitch. however he wants to do it. Yeah. So there's ways to watch somebody racing without actually having an account. It's I I, I think it's be more valuable for for people who just want to be. I just want to spot. I, you know, my buddy races. I don't really want to race, but I love spotting for. Him. Brian, what was that guy who did setups for us all the time? And he'd come on the show, and he was an engineer. Uh, John Hammer, that was his name. So John Hammer was a uh, an i i racing member, but he didn't actually drive. Like he had given up driving, but he was a setup wizard. So he worked on a Coke team and he was a crew chief and, and he did setups, but he was running iRacing off a laptop. He just, so he was the perfect scenario uh, for one of these accounts. All right, Brian, how about the SCCA runoffs and trading paints? Yeah, so this is interesting. Uh, the SCCA runoffs are coming up, special event this weekend. And Greg West posted that uh, due to the unique nature of this event, they are going to allow the use of trading paints for each of the broadcast races. So you can use your custom paints in these uh, if, if you make it to the uh, final races that are being broadcasted. They do mention that, you know, please be aware of the sporting code regarding paints. It's very much in effect. And uh, I am imagine that they they will have something to say if your car does not meet those regulations but um but yeah so interesting that uh, that you're going to be able to see those uh custom paints in these scca runoff broadcasts 
is this a relaxing of the regulation, so to speak? Uh, this first we've we've seen this. Uh, usually, they when they broadcast, they like prearrange the paints, you know, with the broadcaster and who's running and all this. But yeah, this one is so crazy right. with so many different cars that they really can't do that. Yeah, because they're running like one race after the next, and it's different series. So I, I'm, I imagine that that's the reason for that. Because otherwise, you're right; you would probably have to submit your paint, and they would have to prove it and stuff like that. I'll take this one. The story has actually been removed from the forums, but I, I did read it before it got removed, and I'll talk about it. A particular eye racer, I don't know his name, uh, posted up. Thinly disguised tobacco sponsorship is illegal and immoral in the forums. That was the title. And he uh, was upset about iRacing's naming of the Camel GT series. Yeah, Camel is, uh, you know, it's that big car. It looks like a triangle. It's a big wedge. Uh, anyway, the Camel GT series, he says, is tobacco sponsorship at its worst. Uh, he's referencing the Camel cigarettes. Uh, even though it's spelled a little differently, a K instead of a C, he still finds it uh, improper. And he actually said in the post that he was going to report iRacing to the FTC, uh, some government agency over this. Uh, and I imagine that's probably why the post got taken down. <laughs> Do we not have anything better to do? Right. Can't we have nice things, you know? <laughs> you I mean, know uh, go ahead. Uh, I mean, the, the whole, the, the name refers back to that era in sports car racing. It's no different than, you know, NASCAR guys, we refer back to the Winston Cup era. I mean, it's, it's no different. Um, again, don't we have better things to be worried about? Right. And, as an and he's an eye racer. That's that's where the irony is, you know. Like he's going after his his hobby. You know, it's like okay, let's let's get them sued by the government, and they'll have to change the name of the series and all this stuff. And it's like, come on, dude, really? And that's what people were telling him in the forums. They was just like, is this serious? Yeah, I, I you know, we're not a political show, but. Uh, you know, that's one of those things that forget that stuff. Just improve your racecraft, have fun, and let that go. Well, I mean, I can tell you as a guy that was collecting stuff back in, you know, in the heyday of NASCAR when after Winston Cup and then you had all the beer issues and you couldn't buy a Budweiser car because it would say Dale on it or Rusty instead of Miller Lite. Uh, it, it was rather aggravating. All right, uh, John, how about Sim Racing Chicago Mobile? Yeah, so Sim Racing Chicago, and I think we've talked about them before, but, uh, you know, they're taking the show on the road here uh, to let people jump in and, and try these, you know, in various places. And I thought this was a pretty cool concept. I hope this takes off for them. It's basically a trailer with a couple Sim rigs in it. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw I saw this and it was pretty neat. I mean, there's tons of uh, you know, you can rent the uh the, the trailers that come around for kids parties, you know, that have arcades and stuff like that. So, why not uh, you know, rent a uh, have a sim racing party and you could have a trailer show up and ask and turn laps. 
Absolutely. I mean, the kids, when they get too old for the bouncy house, uh, get a sim rig, man. I think kids would have a ball with this. That's if and they can get the grown-ups off. And these are motion rigs. They, they, they got the D-Box style motion on each corner, all four corners, uh, triples, the whole nine yards. Now, I didn't right, see Brad. any prices on this. Did you guys see what the cost to, to rent that thing? No, they didn't advertise that. They said it's coming soon, though. But Yeah, it's, uh, I don't think it's, it's ready yet. It's not ready yet. I don't think so. They probably haven't priced it yet. All right, I'll take this one. Uh, DJ EJ, uh, his next video, he actually adds up how much money he spent on irising over the years. And uh, let me look for that number. $1,350. So that's purchases of tracks, cars, hosting sessions, and uh, annual memberships. Um, you know, I, I didn't do the math, but uh, I just sat down really quick and I own 102 tracks and 42 cars. Now, a lot of those are, there's probably some free ones in there. Um, you know, I was on the service back in 2012, 2011, somewhere in that area. Um, I'm well over what DJ EJ has spent. I don't, I don't buy lots of cars and tracks, I, I would say. So I would say I'm probably around that or probably a bit more. But that's just a minimal. I, I'm 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 looking at the big picture. Like the the subscription to iRacing is just a, a minimal part of the cost. I mean, everything else is the hardware, the computer. Yep. Yeah, we you know we talk about the cost of these tracks and cars. You know, usually most of us we buy the things that we want and we stick with it. You know, we don't buy everything. Uh, but you're right, Mike. I mean, we're spending money on the the bases, the wheels, the pedals, and the rig, and that's where the money comes in. But you know what? It's worth every penny. Well, yeah. Once you get that spin done, then it's fairly inexpensive. You know, as long as you're not changing stuff up, like. I need to renew my iRacing membership at Black Friday. So I'm waiting for that uh, deal. And I'm going to renew a couple years uh, because I think I expire in December. But, you know, I'll spend that money, um, 160 I think it is, for two years or something. But, um, man, what a bargain. Yeah, I mean, that's what you do every year. I mean, I think... You know, I left in 16, and I think my membership was still good through 18. <laughs> so far in advance because of, uh, you know, they do the Black Friday stuff. Well, you know, it's cheaper than your Netflix account, your, you know, your Pandora account, Spotify account. And this is a lot more fun than those are. Yeah, yeah. Some people, I mean, how much do you spend on Starbucks? Seven or eight dollars yeah. a coffee. Or you know, imagine what it costs to go golfing. Yeah, that's why I don't golf anymore. All right, Brian, let's jump to events. We have the SCCA runoffs this weekend. Yep, so uh, it's coming up this weekend. Uh, the broadcast is going to be on YouTube and, and Twitch. Uh, it's a, like a six-hour event uh, where they're just running one series after the next. Each each winner of the races are going to be the national champion uh, for that for that particular uh, for that particular car. So yeah, it's coming up. I think I think it's a little too late to try to get into it now because they, they were running super sessions all week, but. Um, yeah, so this is the finally the the week that where it all winds up. Yeah, that's going to be uh, what Virginia track, I think the road course. 
yeah vir yeah yeah it's a pretty neat uh neat, neat thing to try to you know copy the it's more of the you know, seca is your grassroots and lower class racing but um i think it's a pretty pretty neat concept Podcast housekeeping. Leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform to make it easier for more listeners to find us. Mention that podcast to your fellow drivers so they don't miss out. We do appreciate it. Get involved on our Discord and get in the discussion throughout the week. And check out the show notes on iRacersLounge.com. And we're in regular rotation at the Performance Motorsports Network. And don't forget, we have merchandise. I'm wearing one of the hats right now. I can't tell you the quality of the merch, guys. High-end stuff. And the jersey, even though it's a lot of money, it's nice. It really is. I'm actually going to put in an order tonight for mine. Very good. All right, Brian, fantasy. What do we got? All right, guys. So uh, Las Vegas was the track last week, a mile and a half. Uh, we kind of talked about last week that, uh, you know, uh, it would have been a good race for Larson. And, of course, he took the win. Uh, taking the win in the fantasy was Cletus 45 at 257 points. Right behind him was our good friend Tony, uh, Tony Groves. And Lumpy 68 tied him for uh, second. Dollars and cents is fourth. And I'm not a professional in fifth. <laughs> Uh, we also had uh, teammate Tyler Williamson was in the top 13. Uh, a good, good run for Tyler. And as we look to the overall points, as the season winds down, Canadrian is still in the lead over Team Dwan. Uh, NASCAR Jedi in third, iRacing Mason fourth, and Res Dog in fifth. Looks like the Tony Gross is in tenth, and uh, Tyler Williamson is 13th in the overall standings. Yep, and boy, we're getting down to the end of it, aren't we? Vegas is over. We're moving on to Homestead. I mean, Kyle Larson's already in the t- the final four, but we're going to Homestead. I like Kyle. You gotta. I guess you gotta. A lot of people are going to be looking at uh, Reddick. Uh, he's a high line racer. He's he's run some awesome races in Xfinity at at uh, Homestead. Um, so that's another good pick. It's going to be some. Uh, you know, uh, you got. Um, you got some guys that are going to be trying to throw some Hail Marys that are out of it in points. That they, Those guys could be interesting to look at. Um, Penske uh, is, hasn't been the best at Homestead, but Joey Logano has always done well there. Well, it'll be fun to see how it shakes out. Speaking of Kyle Larson, do you see his indie, uh, indie test? He did his first uh, car uh, test in IndyCar. Went with flying colors. But, man, this guy is impressive. You know, I'm going to be so stoked for the Indy 500 when he he does the double. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm so glad that they spaced out the time better so that these guys can try the double, like when when Tony did it years ago. You know, and he's a guy that can actually pull it off and has an, an honest shot of winning both races, I think. You know, the guys in the past that have done that, you're thinking, well, maybe, you know... They might do good in one, but not the other. But this guy can drive everything. Yeah, he can. I mean, it's if you if you think back through the years, you know, you had AJ Foyt was like that, uh, Tony Stewart. So and then Larson's the same way. Um, you know, he's a modern day AJ Foyt. Everybody said that about Tony Stewart, but Larson's just as good. 
Yeah, I, I just hope he gets enough seed time. I'm, I'm assuming he'll get plenty, but you know, Tony Stewart ran that series um, before doing the uh, the Indy 500. Same with uh, Danica. Um, but so, yeah, I, I just that would be my only. I, I know how good he is. It's just you do need some seed time. I don't know. He's he's shown he can almost jump in anything and and be competitive. Um, I was going to say. You know, we saw Fernando Alonso come over to Indy and run in the same car and not be competitive. But you got to remember that team was new when Fernando Alonso came in. I think that team is in a much better place now in 2024 than they were then with Alonso. And they're, and, and he, like I think John said, he may just have a chance to win it because he's in a decent car. Yeah, yeah I, mean, I, I think I think you're right. Back to when Kurt Busch ran. I mean, Kurt was competitive. Yeah, I'm talking about winning it, though. I mean, and we know, you know, Kyle can win the 600. You know, he's going to be in the mix, or he, he could be in the mix. Living large or strapped for cash, it's all good at Metro Ford Chicago. Metro Ford delivers to you. Whether you're looking for a new or used car, we have over 160 vehicles in stock. Good credit, no credit, doesn't matter. We offer easy financing and guaranteed credit approval. Visit eMetroFord.com or call the owner, Patrick Milligan, 773-983-3166. Metro Ford of Chicago, serving Chicagoland and beyond for over 30 Five years. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. All right. Hardware software presented by Metro Ford. Ryan, you get the first one, the Cubic QS210 review. Yeah, this was uh, done by Simpit. It wasn't by Sean Cole. Uh, he's he's got another fellow who helps him out, and they review the uh, Qubit QS210 motion actuating system. Uh, I ha it was a long video, so I really didn't get the time to watch the entire thing. Um, but I know we've looked at the Qubits before, and I've never heard anything bad said about those. No. Yeah, I, I watched this video, uh, you know, and the guy that did the review, he summed it up in three words. He said, so much fun. I mean, he loved it. He said, the software is great. Uh, he said, you know, the, the system is quiet. He said, if you got your headphones on, you, you won't hear this thing. Uh, you know, I, I think the way it mounts with those actuators, it looks pretty simple. Uh, so if you're into, you know, we all want a motion sim, but if you're going to get one, you got to look at this one. Um, 5,850 euros, cubicsystem.com. Um, that's a little higher than what you got on your system, but you got a different brand, right, Brian? Yeah, yeah, it's it was a different brand. Um, I, I think I was around 3,000, which... For what I got, I've been very happy with it. I mean, boys, let's see. It's coming up on three years since I've gotten that and really have never had any issues with it. You know, it might not have the the super high fidelity of like the D-Box, but, you know, it's, a, you know, a fifth of the price at, at least, probably less. So um, bang for the buck. I, I'm very happy with the one I have. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say is the one you have is a affordable when it because this price is more in line with the d-box price stuff you know and so 5850 yeah yeah he did uh he did talk about 
the you know price comparison between this cubic and the D box and and this was fairly less expensive than the D box so you know and, and I, I I got the impression he was thinking for the price this is probably a better bargain than the D box yeah but do your shopping there's definitely some cheaper systems out there yeah no no doubt all right Brian because you're the VR guy I'm gonna you get the next one too the beta meta quest three yeah, so um, this was um, a, there was a post in iRacing from uh, Zero Late Seventy One. Uh, he said he got the upgrade to the uh, new Meta Quest Three. It's just released, um, and he's been very happy with it. It starts. It's a five hundred dollar um, headset. You know, it's got the uh, it's standalone feature as well as the PC VR, like he's using that. So um, I can't remember what system that guy had before. Um, I'm going to look it up, but, um, oh, he had the quest too. So, um, yeah, so it's a pretty good, uh, upgrade from the quest, quest, uh, quest two. Um, I haven't seen the, the specs yet, um, from some of the guys that I like to follow who do, uh, the VR reviews. Um, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure, I'm sure the fidelity and the um, resolution has taken a good bit jump. And that's probably what, what zero light 71 is talking about. So at $500, this is kind of what I would call maybe an entry-level VR headset. Uh, what about that one, Brian, that, the, what was it, one cinema or one, one screen? Was that it? A uh, big screen. Uh, that's the big one that screen. looks like sunglasses. Yeah. Um, so this is a um, the MetaQuest Three is inside out tracking. So you do do not need base stations with it. Where the big screen uh, be, beyond is uh, outside in. So you will need uh, need uh, base stations, uh, cube cube stations, or whatever they are. Um, so that always you always kind of factor that in on the outside, the ones that need the outside base stations. That's a pretty good. You know that's that's three four hundred dollars probably just to get those base stations, but um, this uh, I I don't I don't think this quite is yeah I think you're right Mike as far as decent VR this is probably on the lower end price wise but I think they're they're coming along VR is getting really interesting lately you know with the Pi Pimax introduction of the crystal um, uh, the Vero is actually reduced um, their price by half. You know, it used to be a two thousand wow. dollar headset. Yeah, it used to be a two thousand dollar headset. Now it's a one thousand. But again, that one's outside in tracking, so you need base stations with that. So tack on a couple extra hundred dollars to get that actually up and running. But um, but we've heard so much about the Arrow, really built quality, really well, and uh, excellent excellent um, visuals. I hate to give money to Facebook, you know, but. Yeah, it looks like it's working out. We have at least one iRacer that likes it. Uh, so, yeah, more to come. We'll, we'll have to see how the reviews go. Okay, Brad, how about the Jimmy Johnson Spotter Pack? Yeah, so D Warehouse has dropped a new version of the Jimmy Johnson Spotter Pack. This is uh, version 7.4. Um, was released, looks like, last week. Um, I think taking trying to take advantage of some of the new 
uh, spotter calls and stuff. Um, I think I read an article, you know, updated a bunch of files, cleaned up some stuff as well. So I used this back in the day. I have not reinstalled it since getting back into iRacing. So, uh, Mike, I know you and I talked a little bit about spotter packs and concerned that you'd miss calls maybe. So uh, it's on the list to try once I get back up and running, um, hopefully by next week or so. I'm going to go ahead and try it and see how it is. They've been enhancing the spotter functionality. And so, yeah, my concern is if you run one of these third-party packs, are you getting all the calls that are available if they haven't updated it? And even if they've updated it, did they add all the new ones in that are available? So that was my concern, like I was saying. That's why I used the default uh, Australian Aussie guy, whatever, um, just because I was worried about it. But, you know, hey, if this guy says he's updated it, then maybe I'm going to try. I, I had run the Jimmy Johnson swatter pack for quite some time. And I guess my thought is, is I wonder if the guy has thought, you know, let, Jimmy Johnson's gone. You know, maybe we should find an active driver to like mimic this spotter pack off of like a, a Ryan Blaney or a Kyle Larson or a Denny Hamlin or somebody. Yeah, but it was, I mean, this was, this was big stuff when it came out. I mean, this was a huge improvement over, you know, the default, uh, spotter. Well, I, I like the fact that, you know, they have the standard pack, with PG-13 language, and then they have the cuss pack, which, <laughs> which is R-rated adult language. So take your pick. That's John, what I was going to ask. You definitely want the R-rated one. Well, yeah, yeah I was going to uh, make sure they had the cuss pack, too. Yeah, yeah, I'm going to update and get the cuss pack. Why not? It makes it more realistic. All right, John, how about the Asetech Sim Sports launch premiere? Yeah, so Asetech, you know, we've talked about them a lot, and uh, th these guys are coming up with a lot of great things. Uh, what they've got, you know, in this launch is some of their formula wheels. Uh, look nice. They've got the Forte, they've got the La Prima, and, uh, you know, it seems like everybody's coming out with brand new formula wheels, but these look pretty cool. Well, it's not just the wheel. This is like we talked about before, the button box, the, the, the hub in the middle. And then you add a rim to it. And so there's two button boxes. I think they're 300 and 400, or maybe it's 300 and 500. I don't remember. Um, but you buy the button box, and then you get the rims. And he demonstrates in the video how quick it is to move it from one rim to another. It's basically three screws, and he can do it in like one minute. And so the idea is, is you buy an Asetech base, you buy one of these uh, wheel uh, button box module things, and then you buy a, a, a formula rim, a GT rim, an oval rim, and they all, all three of those would hook to the same button box uh, in QR. And so that would save you money instead of buying three separate wheels with three separate QRs and three separate button boxes, uh, you're sharing the same button box QR amongst the three rims. Every time you switch to a different kind of car, you undo the three screws, you switch it out. Yeah, and he shows that, and, and it is fast, and it's easy to do, uh, and you're right. I mean, that's going to save a lot of money over time uh, to be able to change those out so quick. 
right? Because yeah. the button box is the is where all the important expensive parts are you would think right so you're just changing out the changing out with the lesser expensive uh wheel parts yeah and it, it's not just formula wheels i know i said that but i mean you can even do uh you know they've got some d-shaped wheel examples some oval wheels so you can do more than just a formula wheel with these button boxes yeah, I think it's a pretty good idea from an ecosystem standpoint. Um, I think when I looked at the pricing they were talking about, I mean, you could, you know, you could pick up a different wheel for uh, around two hundred dollars. So if you've already got the button box, I mean, if you go buy a, you know, a, a Sparco wheel or something like that, you're going to spend a couple hundred dollars just buying a wheel. Um, why not just buy the pieces you need and you can just change them out pretty quick? Yeah, this is, you know, if I was getting into i racing and looking at what ecosystem to go into i'm probably going to pick ace attack especially after this development uh this new product because boy i would be like you know get the be the invicta base get the big base get a button get the better button box and then buy like like i said three rims to go with it and then you're set yeah and you know mike you've been saying that uh for a few weeks and uh, you've convinced me looking at these videos. I mean, they do have a great ecosystem and, and their equipment reviews have all been stellar. So, you know, they're, they're just killing it. Yeah. The, and it provides an upgrade path. Like I can get more wheels easily. You know, I can, you know, they have a great upgrade path, especially if you buy into their lower wheelbase, you can buy the PCB board. And They'll ship it to you and you can put it in yourself. I bet Brad, if Sim Magic just said, Oh, we'll send you a PC board, you swap it out. Yeah, I mean, well, and I know a lot of the, some of the direct drive wheels, it's really just a difference in PCB boards and, and uh, power supply can change the, you know, the, the, uh, the power with the Newtons and stuff. Yeah, correct. Uh, like the, I think with Invecta, they're all the same motors, but the difference in power is based on the electronics that they've installed with it all right brian we have a deep look at uh several videos on the new fanatec club sport dd and dd plus yep so we talked a little, little bit about it in the expo but uh um we have a couple reviews coming from um in regard to the new fanatec uh, club sport dd and dd plus I um I yeah. haven't checked out any of the videos yet. Um, have you have you seen any what they're saying, Mike? I know you're a big uh, Fanatec fanboy. I did watch these uh, in, in part, but a thousand dollars for the plus, seven hundred for the regular, and that's twelve or fifteen newton meters, and that's euros or dollars, same price, and they have this nice blue and yellow uh you know circle on them that differentiate them because they look the same physically um but yeah i mean the big review the last video i saw from gamer muscle he said this is a podium killer a podium killer so he's referring to the podium dd1 and dd2 i he's basically saying those wheel bases are obsolete with this one even though it's it's rated at 15 newton meters he's saying with the the new software and the increased electronics and the tighter qr this thing feels like a podium or better than a podium 
even though it's rated less because the peak uh, can be higher, uh, something along those lines. And so he called his video RIP <laughs> in re referring to the podium line. But uh, like I said before, a lot of people are speculating that Fanatec will probably update those that podium line uh, here shortly. Yeah, I had the same thought about that on the podium. You know, either either they've got to upgrade that or, you know, if this takes off, are they just going to eliminate that podium line? I, mean, I don't think they will, uh, but you got to wonder, you know, and this guy certainly thinks it's, you know, rest in peace for the podium. I mean, he spoke as if it's a different tech, uh, a better tech than the podium had. And so if they integrate this new tech and, and create a new podium series, you know, what will be the price point? He speculated at least, you know, the DD1 would need to be 1300 since this one is 1000 You know, you got to differentiate them a little bit. So probably have the podium at a higher Newton meter, uh, 20 or 25, you know, for the DD1, DD2. And, but with all the new tech, the new QR, uh, and just have an updated version come out. Yeah, I think so. And if, if there's anybody out there, you know, the listeners are, if you're considering the Fanatec ecosystem, you need to watch this video because it's going to give you some things to think about uh, on, on what you're going to get. Pre-orders November 7th for the Club Sport DD and DD+. Plus. We've been saying a lot recently, there's a sweet spot on these DD motors at around 12 to 15, a lot of people have been saying that's that's enough, you know, for most racers. And so, boy, these fit that uh, that niche really well. Yeah, you're right, Mike. We we talked about this as well. You know how there was such a big gap from the uh, the CSLDDs um, to the uh, to the podium series, and there was a big gap in the middle. And this looks like they're trying to hit that. And uh, yeah. I, 15 newton meters is is plenty strong for most most racers um and if if you can get the fi fidelity um better than that 15 you know you're not even going to worry about the higher newton meters of a of a podium yeah here's what it says about the tech changes i was mentioning uh, Pre-order is open. It delivers 12 newton meter of consistent torque. Feel the new full force technology, which generates high frequency vibrations, providing a new level of immersive effects. So that's kind of what I was hoping for in the SemiCube 2 firmware update that they have been teasing, that we would have this high frequency uh, vibration thing that would feel like, you know, uh, feedback you know like a like a butt kicker uh, type feel in the motor itself in the wheel yeah but that yeah and you know i was looking at the uh the fanatec official post on here now these they say on here they're playstation 4 and 5 compatible uh are these compatible with the uh xbox or just playstation my understanding is the cheaper one the 12 is pc only the the DD Plus is uh, is not out yet, but it's going to be for PC and PlayStation. And no, I don't think either one of them support Xbox at this time. Yeah, I, I just kind of wonder what what the reasoning is. I mean, is it a licensing issue, technology issue? Uh, I, I was a little bit surprised by that. I would think being Xbox is what Microsoft. It's probably going to be a licensing issue. 
All right, Brad, how about shaving your back? Yeah, so uh, Sense of Speed shows a, a it's a video about how to, to save your lower back and your sim rig. And uh, I actually watched this and I told my wife, I said, uh, I think I'm ordering this because I've been looking for something to put into my seat for uh, lower lumbar support. Um, so that's what it talks about. And this is actually, it's a... Uh, it's an inflatable pillow or pad that you can put into your into your rig and pump it up um, to give you some support right there, you know, in your lower lumbar. So, um, yeah, anybody that's, that runs a long time, um, depending on what your seat is, um, you know, I've got an NRG, uh, you know, fiberglass seat. So it's it's comfortable, but you do get that. Um, that little bit of, of pain in your lower back. Um, as we get older, um, it's just what it is. So, you know, when I sit in a, in a chair watching TV, I like to put a little pillow right there at the by the bottom of my lumbar. Um, so, yeah, for like 25 bucks or something, uh, yeah, I'm going to order this. Uh, supposedly this Simbracer that does this, he uh, I guess he talked to his chiropractor, and that's what he suggested. Um, so I've looked at some, some inserts, like from Sparco and stuff like that, and they're like 60 or 80 bucks. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to spend that and have it not work so for 25 or 30 bucks on amazon this is going to be a uh, a quick purchase for me probably tomorrow yeah it's a pretty simple idea uh you just you know we've all gone to the doctor and we get our blood pressure checked and they squeeze the little black bulb and that's how this thing works you just squeeze it put the air in it if you want to let air out you turn the little dial and it lets air out so it's a pretty simple uh concept and you know, if you're my age, I just turned 63, so I would look into this. Yeah, I like it. And I was thinking it, it might look wrong, but I noticed the guy actually put it underneath the seat cover so you can't see it really. Um, and then he ran the little hose with the bulb out of the side of the chair. So it just dangles out. Yep, that's what I'm planning to do. I think he had like a little clip or something. He clipped it into either the... Uh, uh, the bounding bracket for the seat or something so uh, like i said this is on the uh it's going to go on the amazon card here probably tonight and uh we'll see how it feels in a week or so yeah i might have to get one of those to let us know how it goes all right john you like the sabelt sim rig so you got this one yeah you know uh, uh i watched a lot of the videos from the uh, the expo that was last week over in germany and these Sabelt rigs, man, they look good. Uh, they seem to be built well. You know, you can put whatever you want on these. Now, I, up until last week, I'd not heard about these rigs, but uh, I looked at them, got on uh, their website, checked it out. Uh, they're onto something here. I think these are good. Look at the uh, when they show a close up of the the wheel tray that the base is hooked to there's like little levers that allow quick adjustment to move it forward back left right up and down angle um without having to you know whip out your tools you know you can just twist the lever make the adjustment twist it down lock it back down uh, very cool design. The other thing I like about the look of it, they have different kinds of metal going on. They have this darker black metal, uh, you know, for the the monitors that is different than the actual rig. And and like I said before, they angle the uprights to match the logo, and it just looks cool. Yeah, and Mike, you mentioned the adjustability on the for the the wheel deck or the for the wheelbase. I've looked at a lot of rigs, and 
one of the things you know for me personally that I've focused on is what if I need to move this base around and and Sabell, you know they've got the way to do that you can do it fast uh, and I think that's a big deal you know I want to be able to get that thing set where I want it at and I think these will do it trust me I can't move mine any at all I'd have to take the whole thing apart and rebuild if I want to move it even half an inch um, so moving mine is a no-go so you're right. I mean, my concern is their flex. Because it's adjustable, does that introduce any flex? But based on this video and watching this guy from this company in Italy and talk about the decisions of how they designed it and the, the products and materials they used, and I'm impressed. Yeah, I think this is uh, another one to put on the short list. The only thing that concerns me is a lot of those look very low to the ground, and that's a that's a struggle as you get older. <laughs> True. Well, that's you can do you... like I did and put it on big old four and a half inch casters, you know, and get it up off the ground. Well, that's what I did when I built mine. I've got mine aren't on casters, but they're on feet, and those feet are all the way up. Um, you know, when I was racing before, I had a uh, an Obutto, and that thing basically sat on the ground, and it, you you didn't get out of it; you kind of fell out of it, and uh, I didn't want to roll out of it. Roll out of it exactly. <laughs> I didn't want to do that again. So, yeah, I was going to say, yeah, you, you either need to install a grab bar or just roll out, man. But because you're right, uh, those are low profile rigs. Uh, but boy, they sure look sleek. Okay, we're going to jump to results. And we're going to talk uh, Friday Open NIS Vegas P8. I kind of ran around mid-pack most of the race, a bunch of cautions at the end, played into my favor, and I was able to move forward from about 15th up to 8th. Yes, I'll take it. Finally, a decent finish at Vegas to get some decent points. And that's all I'm digging. I'm still digging into the points. I'm still 160 or so back from Tom. He's going to win it. I, you know, As long as he gets a start and every week, he's gonna, I'm not going to catch him. But... I'm, I'm trying to get my points because I got third place chomping at me. Um, I'm just anxious to finish second at this point in the, in the championship. So um, let's bring it home. Uh, Tony Rochette, P20, just fell absolutely stuck the whole race. Didn't gain or lose anything hanging around the top 10. What was caught in some white flag BS. John, P10. Oh man, that was tough. You know, I got up against the wall and just stuck to it. I couldn't get off. I mean, it, the car just wouldn't come down. Uh, but I finally got off of it and uh, was able to pull out a you know a respectable finish. Ended up ended up getting a P10. You know, if I can stay top ten, I'm happy. So it's all good. You're you're gaining that I rating. Uh, Tom Dryling got a P10 while I got a P8. He basically is saying, I just got to keep Mike in my uh, in my uh, windshield, you know, keep him in view, and I'm going to win this thing. And he's right because, you know, I get eighth place points. He gets 10th place points. You know, I'm just barely, you know, knocking into that 160. So uh, well done for Tom uh, getting a top 10. All right, moving on to Sunday Open. David Hall, good long run car. 
wrecked by an a-hole who took out other people early in the race and expected everyone to get out of his way yet turns across my nose and then blamed me yeah i think i saw something in the uh i guess the team chat with this i guess he's expecting to get uh, uh protested maybe yeah i don't think he actually did i didn't hear that he did but let's move on to vegas uh wednesday open I actually got involved in three different cautions. The last one, eight minutes damage, P22, ouch. Uh, the first caution was actually David Hall. He wrecked on lap two, unable to fix uh, his car. Uh, and then we had a green flag run uh, with damage. Uh, he pitted and then his pit crew didn't show up. So David rage quit, he, he blew out of there. Uh, Chris got a nice P10. Took a bit to learn the track, drove around 30th the first part of the race, drove up under green. Nice top 10 and IR at career high. Move on to Tony, P26, was doing okay while trying to get jiggy with it when cars wrecked and T-boned a guy. Spent lap and a half getting damage fixed, figured I was the only car lap down till we started getting green flag stops. Waited till I had a half a lap left when pulling on the pit road when I was hit. Getting on the pit road saved it, but missed pit road, ran out of gas and had to tow. Three laps down the rest of the race. John, P14. Yeah, that was the best P14 I've ever had. I started in 16th and I think I dropped to 24th within the first three, four laps. And uh, as the race progressed, you know, I got back into P29 a lap down and just kept fighting and fighting i got a lucky dog on the on the uh on lap 19 uh or excuse me got into p19 with a green white checker to go and just drove the heck out of the car got five spots on that green white checker and finished p14 so you know I, hey i'll take it yep tyler williamson p6 Started in the back, caught up in a massive wreck on lap one, got the damage fixed and caught a lucky dog on the very next caution. Again on the green flag, a race stayed green the rest of the way, pitted one lap before halfway when Ann was able to finish strong only on the one stop. Then I ran today, top split, P23. It was a caution free race, literally, no cautions. I actually got what I deserved. I ran 20th to 23rd pretty much all day. Um, even as we cycled through stops and people doing different strategies, I was pretty far back. So I was not pitting early. I was kind of running it out of gas and we get down to 20 to go. I think I took rights and fuel and, and I got what I got. But uh, interestingly, it was just a few like four or five points less than what I got the night before. So it didn't help my position. Let's move on to Draftmaster. John, P started P1. Yeah, so I'm having a ball with Draftmaster. You know, these are these are short races, a lot of speed. On Thursday night, started P1, uh, got bump drafted in the uh, tri-oval. You know, don't know why that happened, but Big pile up, got going again in P10 and draft mastered my way up to P2. Did it again Friday night, started P1, led 17 laps, got fast at the finish line. I, I got second place by two one thousandths of a second. And then did it again last night, Wednesday night, started P8. Two huge pile ups, I got past those. 
Had one lap to go, I was in P6 and another wreck destroyed my right front wheel, but I said, heck with it, I'm gonna keep driving, and I did, and ended up P3, so a good Draftmaster week. Wow, you're farming it, P2, P2, P3. Man, you should just stack these up like I was doing. Remember, I gained almost a thousand I rating in one week in Draftmaster. Well, that's what, you know what, I, Mike, that was an influence on me. I thought, all right, he's onto something here. They're, they're fun races, they're short, they're fast. And uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Draftmaster's cool. Yeah, I think maybe, what car is it this week? Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I think it's the Gen 4. The Gen 4, yeah, I thought that sounds right. So the one, the week I did it was uh, the car tomorrow or Gen 5, I think. And I'm not as good in the Gen 4 as I am in the Gen 5, so I've kind of shied away from it, but maybe I won't. Maybe I'll try it tonight. All right, with that, let's jump to final thoughts. Brian McCummon. So uh, hopefully I have gotten one of my major issues corrected. I um, I've have Starlink is now available in my area. You know, everybody knows that my internet's been an issue with iRacing for a bit. Um, and uh, Starlink is now available in my area. So I ordered it. Uh, we have a package coming tomorrow, which should be it. So I'll hook it up, get on iRacing, and um, hopefully by next week, I'll be able to give you guys some updates about how well it's performing. But I'm really hopeful that it's going to do well. I've, I did a lot of research about um other people who've used it for iRacing and haven't seen any major issues. So, uh, knock on wood, this is going to take care of one of my big problems I've been having over the past couple of years with uh, iRacing. All right, sounds good. John Curley, your final thoughts. <clears throat> yeah, just a quick correction. It's actually the current uh, Class A car in the Draftmaster, but uh, my Simagic hydraulic inverted pedals arrived today so man i'm i got to get those babies hooked up and give them a whirl see what happens and uh, get back out there and keep running those a opens the nis and draft masters man i gotta get that i rating up i'm close to 2000 now now what software is driving those little haptic things on the pedals do you know yet well, so, yeah, Simagic has their own software, uh, and I don't remember the name of it, but, yeah, there's. I've looked at the software already. You can adjust all that uh, with the, the Simagic software, and uh, it looks pretty simple. You know, I just got to get them plugged in and get going. Now, you got the hydraulic version? Yeah, I got the hydraulics. So I wanted to go ahead and get those, you know, the reviews I looked at, the people I've talked to have said, look, get the hydraulic if you're going to get these pedals. So that's what I did. All right. Well, we look forward to seeing how you like those. That's a really nice uh, unit you got. Um, all right. And welcome back, Brad Wren. So happy to have you back on the team and on the show today. Uh, you, you fell in perfectly uh, reading the script and stuff. But uh, what are your final thoughts? Uh, again, thanks, Mike. I, I appreciate you guys letting me come back. Um, I'm, I'm enjoying it. Uh, it's good to be back racing. Uh, just looking forward to getting my wheelbase back. Uh, hopefully by next week it'll be back and can get back to running. So um, again, just looking looking forward to, to being an active member of the team, being able to contribute. Um, and again, just grateful for you guys uh, opening the door back up. 
You bet. All right. My final thoughts. I'm getting, I'm, I'm going to do a life change, you guys. I'm actually getting divorced. I'm going to be moving out in a month. I found an apartment. I was over there today with the measuring tape. I'm going to put my, uh, my podium, my rig here, uh, my cockpit in the dining room of this apartment. There's going to be no dining room table and it's going to sit in the dining room. It's going to be perfect. It's going to be like a centerpiece of the apartment. But, uh, you know, this is a long time coming. You know, don't feel sorry for me. This is actually a good thing uh, to get off on my own finally and, and move on to another chapter of my life. So that means, as I've told you before, I am taking the rig apart um, right after Phoenix, uh, right after the final race on Friday night. I'll take it apart, but I'm going to take it apart to be moving it. Uh, we'll, we'll put it together after we get moved. and. I got a bunch of time off uh, around the move of late November. I have like three weeks off in a row. And so I have plenty of time to piece this thing together and, and get my life uh, back on track in a new place and, and uh, looking forward to it. All right, and with that, hey, we'll see you on the track later.